0: Well, you know, folks, with all this what's wrong with the world kind of headlining that we've been hearing of late, I think it's time you and I focus on what is right with this world. And we can go to the newspaper to do just that. Last week, South Bend Tribune, you want to know what is right with the world in the middle? Smack dab in the middle of all these Woeful headlines: War in the economy and war in the economy. In the middle, can you see this? Can you see it? Say, saying playing for fun. Let's bring that into focus. There we go. Playing for fun. Big color pictures. And I'm reading the paper at breakfast. And I'm saying, what's up with this? Whoa! A U. Andrews University team takes cues from coaches and Christ. What's up with that? So I put my paper down. Dateline, Berrien Springs, Michigan. Jim Meenan, Tribune staff writer. Andrews University basketball players only practice twice a week. Their schedule consists of just 16 games. They even pay for their own uniforms. Here is a basketball team that is a bit of a throwback, perhaps as far back as the very earliest of earliest days of collegiate athletics, when sports were played for fun and TV and TV contracts did not exist, when games were played for exercise as much as to learn the values of sportsmanship and teamwork. Wow. So I've got to go to page five here now. And the headline at the top of page five, AU team plays for fun and God. Listen to this. What's different about this university? Besides crowds that are lucky to reach 100 fans for home games. <laughs> where are you guys? You're supposed to be showing up for these games. Besides that, the most glaring difference may be the limited practice schedule at the Seventh-day Adventist University. The team has no games or practices from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday because it's the Sabbath for the Adventists good for you good for you Oh quoting Jack Menges director of social recreation at Andrews this is a way of getting in getting in and helping promote some friendship around the southwestern Michigan area quoting coach Randy Lanto, we wouldn't do this if we didn't think we could show the character of God on the court he went on God is in everything we do I am so proud of my alma mater Andrews University in a world where their headlines are always trumpeting what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong here's a headline front page that tells what's right Andrews University our faculty our students our coaches our witness sharing our distinctive way In a winsome way. Notice I didn't say winning way because their record is one win and 15 losses. And so, (laughs) you know, you can you can witness without winning. You can be winsome in your witness. So anyway, I'm proud of this university. In fact, if I read Isaiah 58 correctly, that's what God is saying. If you will come to me and let me direct your journey, I'm gonna bring to you unprecedented physical, intellectual, spiritual, and financial health. We could, we could always use all of those for now, couldn't we? Follow my way, God says, and I will bring you what you want most as a university. Now, forget the university. What you, Dwight, and the rest of you, what you want as human beings. So let's go to Isaiah 58 again, shall we? Open your Bible, please, to Isaiah 58. This is our theme passage all this semester. We're coming near the end of the semester. Only two more teachings after this one. It's over. Isaiah 58, and I want to have a prayer with you as we open God's Word together. First, let me find it here. Isaiah 58. I'm going to be today in the new international version. Isaiah 58. And then let's pray. And we're going to fly, folks. We are going to fly today. So, uh, put on your seatbelt. We can do this in 20 minutes. You just start praying. All right, Isaiah 58. Father, here we are. We've had a very full morning. That's what worship's about. We don't try to see how little we can do in your presence. Sometimes we, we just want to stay here a little longer. So we're going, Lord, back to your word. And we humbly pray that the Spirit of Jesus will engage our minds, address our hearts, call us, keep, show us the powerful, powerful incentive that you are offering if we will embrace your solidarity with the poor. Make it clear, please, as we fly through this teaching, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Let all the people say, Amen. Isaiah 58. And almost, a, a nearly unbelievable quid pro quo from God. You know what quid pro quo means? Turn to your brand new study guide. Let's just get this out of the way so that we don't have anybody saying, what is quid pro quo? It's not a sea animal like a squid. It's Latin, quid in fact, if you pull your uh, study guide out, I want to fill that in. If our ushers, oh thank you ushers for standing, hold your hand up. If you came in there, came in a group of five of you and only one of you grabbed a worship, hold don't be ashamed, put your hand up. We have these study guides for you. Those of you, by the way, who are watching right now on uh, television, go to our website, www.pmchurch.org. You'll find right there at the front Three clicks. Hit Repairers of the Breach, Part 6. Three clicks and you'll be at the study guide. Repairs of the Breach, Part 6. Title of our study today, Bones in the Garden, the Phenomenal Benefits from Loving the Poor. You'll never be the same again when you discover that God is making what I'm going to empirically prove to you. We're going to look at the research. It will be proven to you that what you're about to read is true. So go to our website. You will get the study guide there. The rest of us have it. And let's... Let us start flying. Today's Bible teaching is arguably God's second greatest quid pro quo. That is Latin. And we'll put the English in parentheses. This for that. That's what's happening. That's what happens in the, in the political world. Okay, United Nations, United Kingdom, United States, Iraq. You do this, we'll do this. You don't do that, we will do that. That's quid pro quo. We, we all live by that. Well, God, this is, I say arguably the second greatest, because you know what the greatest quid pro quo is? The, hands down, the greatest this for that that God ever made. Oh, it's, what he, it's the offering he makes to the human race. You come to me, accept me as your Savior. I will give you myself. I will give you my friendship. I will give you my life. I will give you my kingdom. I will give you my universe. I will give you eternal life forever and ever. Amen. Quid pro quo. You come to me because I, I would love to give it to you anyway, but I never force myself on anyone. I have to know, do you want it? If you say yes, just like that, quid pro quo, you get it. That's what a quid pro quo is. That's the greatest. So this is the second. Would you fill in, please? It's as if God were saying, if you do this, then I'll do that. Write in those two words, please. This and that. You have to share pencils. Alright. If you do this, then I'll do that. The language of quid pro quo, if then. Uh, go to our, let, let, let's, let's go. Isaiah 58. Pick it up in verse 6. God says, hey, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? God says, you're trying to get my attention, aren't you? You want to get my attention. You want to know how to get my attention? This is it, God says. "To." Loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Isn't that what I want? Is it not, verse 7, to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe him or her and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? I got a letter from one of our television viewers just yesterday. A woman watching somewhere in the United States, anonymous. I just know the address of the city. She opened up her heart. She says, you know, I've become a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Do you know how I am suffering? I am the poor in your midst. And I'm not going to tell you who I am because I'm returning. I'm giving to my local church and I don't want you to give to me. But I want you to know there are many of us who suffer. My heart was moved. Your own flesh and blood, God says. Now watch this. Verse 8. The very first word of verse 8. Then... You see, to have a quid pro quo, you have to have an if followed by a then. We've got the then, we just don't have the if. The if is understood. So that what God is saying in verse 6 is, verse 6, he's saying, hey, look, if you will loose the chains, if you will set the oppressed free. Verse 7, if you will share your food with the hungry, if you will provide homes for the homeless, if when you see the naked, you clothe them, if you don't turn away from your own flesh and blood, then, boom, verse 8, then, see, if then, if then. Then, oh boy, look what God says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and He will say, Here am I. God says, hold it. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? This is quid pro quo time. If you do this, then I do that. You don't do this, I don't do that. Quid pro quo. And you know what? God is so worried that we have missed what verses 6 and 7 have invited us to do that He repeats Himself through Isaiah. Back to verse 6. Only it's now verse 9. Look at the the second half of verse 9. If... You do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, he just repeated himself. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Verse 11. Then, now I'm just adding that. You see, it's not there, but it's understood. Then the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land and will strengthen your frame. Then you will be like a well watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail then your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations then you'll be called repair of broken walls restore our streets and dwellings oh boy god says i have one more quid pro quo verse 13 if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not doing your own way and not doing as you please or speak, idle words then the last one verse 14 then you will find your joy in the lord and i will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father jacob for the mouth of the lord has spoken whoo that's it that's it that's the quid pro quo i want to share with you now empirical evidence that what god has just offered is in fact happening Oh, but just a minute, wait a minute. To make sure you understand this quid pro quo, would you very quickly write these words in? Now, folks, don't look up. Do not look at the screen. I'm going to give you the word because we're going to fly through this. Don't look up. Trust me. The word will be the right word. Just write it down, please. All right. If... Okay, here comes the quid pro quo. Just a summation, but I want you to take this home. If you will loose... Just write in the word loose. If you will loose the chains of injustice, if you will set the oppressed free if you will share your food with the hungry if you will provide am i going too fast okay if you will provide the homeless with shelter if you will clothe the naked if you will care for your own flesh and blood if you will quit your accusing and malicious talk and finally, if you will spend the Sabbath in my way, if you do that, and those are only eight, God says, I'm going, to give, I'm going to come back at ten. I'm going to come back ten for you. If you do that, then I will, write it down please, I will shine my light upon you. I will heal you. I will go before you and behind you to protect you. I will answer when you call upon Me. I will guide you always. I will satisfy your needs. Are you there? Why? I will strengthen your bones. We're going to notice empirical evidence in one split second that will show that the blood production out of the morrow is affected by what God has just promised. I will strengthen your bones. I will water your garden. I will raise... Oh, sorry. I will water your garden. I will raise up a new generation to rebuild your foundation. And finally, I will honor you throughout the land. Larry Ulrich who teaches here. He's, a, he's in charge of our CSAP program, Community Service Action Program, Project. You know, I, I'm so... You know, Andrews University is distinctive in this way. It's a part of the very curriculum. It's a part of the soul of going into the inner city and helping. The CSAP program is unique. And this university has chosen to honor that no matter what else we've got to do. We're not going to let this go. Larry O'Ree is the head of CSAP, and he he he's put this list together, and he says, you know, Dwight, what I call it? I put, let's put it right here. He says, I call that God's. You'll have to look at the screen for this algorithm, algorithm. See, A L algorithm. It's based on an Arab name, an Arab mathematician in the ninth century. And so they've taken this word, algorithm, and it it means formula. And so I put it in brackets there, formula. This is God's algorithm or formula for limitless blessing. Wow. God said, I'm not going to stop blessing you. Works for universities. Works for people. Works for one human being at a time. Okay, let's take a look at the evidence. Oh, no, no. There are four other texts. I want you to get the references. Four other texts that prove Isaiah 58 is not just some wild shot in the dark. Jot these down, will you? You have to jot the references down. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Watch this. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Let's put it up with a uh, New Living Translation. If you help the poor, you are lending to whom? Church, you are lending to whom? You are lending to the Lord and He will repay you. This university invests in that mission, God says, I'll take I'll I'll repay you. If you do it personally, you give up a Sabbath afternoon, God says, I'll take care of you, I'll repay it. Write the second text down. Luke six thirty eight. It's this great principle that is embedded in Scripture. Luke six thirty eight. Oh, Jesus said, if you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure what is given back to you. I'm going to return it to you. I am not going to let you give without without a quid pro quo. I will I will bless you. I will bless you. Oh, Acts 20:35, just at the very end of this text. Go no, write it down for us. Acts 20:35. Look at the very end of that text. Jesus, quoting Jesus, it is more, let's read it out loud together. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Wow. So you're going to be happier giving than receiving. And there's, well, How does this all work? Jot this down. Proverbs 11.25. Would you put that down? Proverbs 11.25. Why does this work this way? God says, I'll tell you why. Look at this. The generous prosper and are satisfied. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Isn't that something? God says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it up to you. All this semester long we've been looking at is solidarity with the poor. And now God comes with a punchline. By the way, win, 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 you're going to win. Okay, now the studies. Because some of you are by nature skeptical. You've been trained to be that way. So I have to come to you with the material that you've been trained to examine. Some research. Pastor Skip, Skip McCarty on our staff here has written a World-class manual on stress management. So I called Skip up this last week. I said, Skip, I need all the studies that impinge on human volunteering, human service. Then I went to Larry Ora. I said, Larry, give me studies on the same subject. They both sent. So here come the studies now. Take a look. And I'm going to do this very fast. So have your uh, study guide right there. Harvard University. Get a load of this. 132 Harvard University students were put in a room. And they played a video. They played a video of Mother Teresa ministering to the dying in Calcutta. And when the 50-minute video was over, they said, All right, everybody in this room spit. It was controlled. Spit in this place. So they spit. They took that saliva and they measured the immunoglobulin. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's globulin. Bill Chobotar, who teaches immunology here at the university after first church, grabbed me and gave me all this stuff. He said, by the way, Dwight, make sure you pronounce it right in second church. Well, I just blew it. But Immunoglobulin. A. IGA. Do you know what IGA does? IGA empowers your body system to resist disease. They found out that when these kids watched Mother Teresa, something happened inside and their IGA went up. And the kids are watching this and when they're saying to themselves, you know, I could do that. I would like to help. In fact, I don't care if I get any pay for it. I don't care if anybody notices. I don't care if it's appreciated. I would like to serve the poor that the IGA went up just the very thought of it. I wish you'd put that in your study guide. Make sure you have it here. Harvard University, you know what they're calling this? The Mother Teresa effect. The Mother Teresa effect, immersing yourself in a service project. The Mother Teresa effect, it actually boosts the immune system. You know what that means? i got to come down here and talk to you. Do you know what that means? That means that all the students who get active at 3 o'clock Sabbath afternoon and go out on the Benton Harbor Street ministry, ministry are healthier than every other student in this university. Say amen to that. Some of you aren't sure, are you? The students who, in the midst of their busy academic training, embrace service projects, are healthier. Doctor, isn't that true? They are healthier. They are healthier, Dr. Hamill. Thank you. They are healthier than the students who say, you know, Sabbath, God gave the Sabbath her rest. I'm going to sleep all Sabbath afternoon so I can party hardy tonight. Ooh, Bad. Bad exchange. Three o'clock this afternoon, Lampson Hall, the bus. All those who want their immune system boosted go to the bus this afternoon, three o'clock. And by the way, that's also true for faculty. It's also true. When faculty embrace that which is outside their professional purview, and they say, I'm taking on a, a little service project, faculty are healthier. And so are community members. And study number two, so are the elderly. Take a look at study number two. Would you write this in, please? Study number two. This is the federal study. Retired Senior Volunteer Program Study. The RSVP study. They studied 98% of federal facilities dealing with the elderly. And here's what they found. Write it down, please. They discovered that elderly people who engage in volunteer work, write the word in, experience significant health improvements. Some of you are bothered by your arthritis, little <clears throat> aches and pains. The elderly who are involved <coughs> pardon me in volunteer work actually improve their health. You don't believe me, but I go down here to the community service center. Do you know we have some 80-year-olds in there? We had a woman, 95, sewing buttons onto clothing that had lost buttons. Why do you think she made it to 95? The elderly improve their health. Those of you elderly who are listening, watching on television. Quit feeling sorry for yourself at home and get out and help. You'll do something for yourself. He who refreshes others will refresh himself. All right. Let's, let's look at another state. This is a uh, study. Number, oh, this is up here in Tec- Tecumseh, Michigan. They studied 2,700 men of all ages. You know what they found out? They found out, put this down, that men who did regular volunteer work had death rates 2.5 times lower. Two and a half times lower. You want to live longer, man? Hey, sir. You. You want to live longer? Yes, I do. Get involved in volunteer work the poor. Embrace God's solidarity with the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the alienated. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, there's another one. Study number four. The, the, and I want to get the name here because in 1987, Christine Orth Gomer reported on a research project conducted by the Swedish National Institute for Psychological Factors in Health, in which 17,000 people randomly selected from Sweden were studied over six years. And what did they find? They found that socially isolated people died at almost four times a higher rate than people who were socially, socially involved. Get involved. You know, Benton Harbor Street Ministries telling stories to kids, going door to door. It doesn't matter. You want to go to the community service center one evening a week? It doesn't matter. Be around people who are helping when you're socially involved. Wow, four times higher death rate for those who weren't. Alan Luck, I like this. He coined the phrase, this boost in health and longevity, Alan Luck calls it the helper's high. Would you write that in, please? Now, researchers all refer to it. They, say they call it the helper's high. The endorphins, the endorphins that are released. When you feel good, have you noticed that? You just get this warm feeling. That's, that's something really happening. It's coming out of your bones, coming out of your brains, coming out of your glands. Shh. And that little warmth, Bill Chobotar, I'm telling you, he told me between services, that warmth is actually improving your health. But you have to do something that you know is good for somebody else when you're doing only something good for yourself. You, do, you, do you get the warmth? you don't. Do you? No, you don't. That warmth is the endorphins. Alright, is there another one here? Yep. I'm going to read I'm going to, I'm going to just to summarize this here. Okay, the Institute for the Advancement of Health. They did all kinds of research. Let me just summarize it. Doing regular volunteer work increases life expectancy. There was a long quote I was going to read, but I'm going to leave it out. Increases life expectancy and strengthens the immune system. So it's just another study that, in fact, shows, corroborates what we're talking about. Now, I want you to get this one. UC Medical School in San Francisco, volunteering increases self-esteem, a sense of competence. And write this down. It fights off stress and depression. I spent an evening this week with a man who is under depression, by the way, I need to tell you that it is not a sin to be depressed. Not a sin. Jesus was depressed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Elijah was depressed. Paul, we know was depressed. David was depressed. Depression is not a sin. Depression is a natural response of a of the psychosomatic system that says, Oh, there's just too much. Why don't you just slow down, get real tired, and try to sleep this baby off? That's what depression does. It just the problem is it just holds you down there. It just says, Keep sleeping, keep sleeping. You're not ready yet. They have found that when people in in depression will step out and join a volunteer group that it actually begins to release them from that depression god says i'll water your garden i'll water your garden i'll strengthen your bones your immune system i'll do it wow if you embrace my solidarity with the poor well i need to say in closing you know we say well good okay god let's make a deal then quid pro quo if i do this you have to do that is that the spirit we want to enter into this with god says wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute it's not quid pro quo is not me doing something when in response to you it's the other way around if you if you will follow me i will take care of you And in fact, I think of that great painting, Domenico Fetti's painting, Exi Homo, Latin, Behold the Man. And at the bottom of that painting, the artist inscribed these words as if Jesus were speaking from the cross, All this I did for thee, what doest thou for me? That's the only proper motivation that can can compel us to serve the poor. It's what Jesus did at Calvary for the likes of you and me. You know, P.T. Forsyth, the great writer, he is correct. The most prevailing and prominent emotion in the New Testament is the sense of debt to Christ. Debt. When I realize, you know, look at, think of what God's done for you. But God has saved you. He has freed you and me from the insanity of guilt. He's forgiven our sins. He's given us reason to hope and to live. And in the light of all that, God says, would you please, don't, 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 don't do it to me. Would you do it to them? And I'll tell you what, if you do it to them, it will be as if you were doing it to me. Don't come to me. Go to them. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give. To thee. I have a Sabbath afternoon. I give to thee. I have a free evening. I give to thee. I have some time across the backyard fence. I give to thee. Silver and gold I don't have. But such as I have, I give to you. You know what the great ace? Hey, forget your immune system. Forget strong bones. You know what the greatest reward will be in heaven? The greatest reward will be when somebody comes up to you say hey hey, hey! hold it right there I recognize your face did you come to Benton Harbor you know down there Benton Harbor on a Sabbath afternoon I was eight years old I was the one bouncing off the walls hyperactive you were the one telling that story and you know what you came back the next week and you came back the next and you came back I want to tell you something do you know why I am here in this kingdom You came to my city, and you gave to me. I want to tell you, that, that will be the greatest reward of all. You came. You could have stayed around that dinner table. You could have stayed in the comfort and warmth of your home, but you came door to door. I, was, I had a few pills in my hands, and I remember when you knocked on the door, and I came to the door, and you said, Look, at we're only here to pray for you. Is there anything we can pray for? And I asked you to come in, and you came in, and you prayed. Do you know what? I was about ready to give up on my life, but you came and said, There are people on this earth who love you in the name of Jesus Christ. You stopped me. You made me think. I felt like I was worth something. And because you did, it started a chain. And I am here forever because you gave to me. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing greater you can give. Not your money. It's yourself. There's nothing greater. And the greatest reward of all will be one day when someone walks up to you in heaven and says, I am here because... Of you. I don't know about you, but I think I'll just start crying. At that time, I don't believe this, Jesus. You mean you used me? You used me? And this guy is here now. I think I'll just sit down and cry. And say, Oh God, I was nobody but you took your love through me thank you thank you thank you let us stand as we pray oh god oh heaven Heaven will be heaven at that moment. Of course, Father, our joy is You. Our allegiance is Jesus. But if we could love one other human being long enough to make sure he goes, to make certain she gets there, oh, Jesus, there will be nothing in this life too precious, to not sacrifice for the sake of that moment. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You're right. Calvary's outstretched arms gave everything to us. Holy God, now, motivated by that relentless love of yours, may we change this desperate and dying world one man, one woman. One boy, one girl at a time. In the name of Jesus, who has saved us and for whom we wish to now share, let all the people say, Amen and Amen. Happy Sabbath. God go with you.